0: You have entered a place of forbidden magic. Where arcane evils arise from the darkest pits of the unknown. Where incantations stir unfathomable horrors to life. Where one must only leave behind the safety and comfort of their known world. To step onto the path of the unimaginable and stare into the void. Prepare yourself. This is Spooky House. (laughs) Ah! <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to. Super House episode number 154. Holy smokes. Uh, It is our final Spooky House episode for 2018. I hope you've enjoyed the little bit of creepy moments that we've been able to have. People have been doing things on vacation and work and everybody's got lives and things. So we hope we've been able to bring you some, at least some tiny little entertaining tidbits to get you through this month. And all the bullshit you have to do and deal with during the day. Until you can get to that spooky night when you can be whatever the fuck you want sorry mom <laughs> and <laughs> this time around i've uh invited we've invited my mother on uh oh uh, oh miss uh Cresington herself um uh, <laughs> sandra say say hello mother
1: hello everybody this Hi. is sandra oh. santa cruz Stephens' mother no
0: wolfies <laughs> no i'm just
1: Wolfie.
2: <laughs> mama wolfie yeah, you know, Stephan... his name,
1: uh, among his names, uh, one of my favorites is Steppenwolf.
2: Okay, like yeah. Steppenwolf.
0: okay, yeah. I always <laughs> tell people my dad was a burnout and he named me after that band. That's all. Awesome. And, you know, honestly, Born to be Wild is one of my absolute favorite songs. Never get tired of it. Every time I hear it, I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs>
1: there
0: you um, go. <laughs> but she squeezed this old little Wolfie Cub out years and years ago. I'm old, we're old. Wolfie uh, <laughs> and i'm also joined by andrew as usual Woo! hey everybody Yay. and in this episode we have planned a spooky story section our usual spooker duke but i didn't want to put my mom up to the chalk chopping, chopping block <laughs> um because as far as i'm concerned her the, the f- a couple tales we're gonna hear here are pretty spooky if not something to ponder as well as we're gonna get into video games and the occult and uh explore uh Uh, Andrew's prepared a presentation of exploring uh, a few video games and their observations or inclusions of occult or cultish material. So um, we're going to kick it off right now and just get right into these dang old scary stories. Unless anybody else has something to say, I got to stop talking.
2: Sandra.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, the story I'd like to share with you uh, on this Halloween occasion Um, is from my personal experience and, um, I call it the little man in the basement.
2: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So,
1: um, I, um, you know, was a child of about maybe four or five years old and, uh, myself, my parents and my siblings lived in a big older house in Denver, one that had a basement, um, So it was a little bit more than a crawl space. It was actually uh, two spaces, one of which my dad used to use as a workshop. Um, And he'd spend, you know, many hours in the evenings down there tinkering around. But anyway, uh, as a four or five year old child, I guess one day I decided to go down into the basement by myself. And so I remember going down The steps into the basement and as I was going down um, suddenly and you know I don't know why but a whole scene opened up before my eyes and what I saw was a little old man he's probably not even two feet tall but he entered into the scene and he was this little wiry old guy dressed in a very stereotypical outfit of a cowboy. You know, he had the red and white check shirt. He had the blue jeans and boots and kerchief around his neck. Um, He really um, made me think of Howdy Doody and I don't know if you guys know who Howdy Doody yeah. is, but definitely your parents would know. <laughs> yeah. And so Howdy Doody, being this little kind of puppet um, and dressed in this cowboy garb, um, but anyway, the little old guy—he, um, I, as I watched him, I could see that he wasn't happy, and he looked really agitated and. It seemed to me that he was looking for something. And I don't remember any sounds in the scene. I just, you know, was caught up in this picture of this little old man, this little wiry cowboy. And he's kind of a tank, cantankerous, <laughs> crotchety little old guy. And, and although I could see him, I don't think that he could see me. He didn't make any eye contact or try to speak to me. He just went about his business. And so that was kind of um, that experience. But many years later, after my dad had passed away and the house was being cleared out, my brother found these very odd metal objects. These They almost look like belt buckles, but they had this very they had different designs, but um, circles within circles and, mm. you know, it was kind of complex and just, you know, the craftsmanship that it would have taken to put these buckle things together. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to call does them. Does he
0: still have those now? Does anybody yeah. still have
1: them? Yeah. My brother Ed does.
0: We got to see if we can. Let's yeah. I got to get a hold yeah, of Yeah.
1: They're odd. They're just... They look, they're just not, they don't look like a typical belt buckle, but you know, that's the only way I can kind of describe them. Uh But anyway, I tried doing some research on what I thought they might be. And that's where I kind of got into like, um, you know, the circles within circles. And
0: Mm -hmm.
1: anyway, um, I wondered if maybe my dad had a secret part of his life that he didn't share with the family. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, the designs, yeah. And my research showed that the designs had something to do with alchemy and metallurgy. Whoa! I wonder if my dad wasn't a closet alchemist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Opening up portals and (laughs) yeah attracting little gnome men
1: yeah exactly and it was just so odd um and i that's why i kind of think that maybe it was an opening uh, a portal opening and i was had the privilege of yeah peering into the dimension where this little creature lived and which just um, happen to coincide with MySpace as well.
0: Not the website MySpace, but your actual physical space?
1: Right. <laughs> I'm only just fine to, here, just so to so clarify for MySpace the, for the internet. <laughs> yeah.
0: Just to clarify for the
2: internet. For older millennials, younger millennials don't even know what MySpace is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're like, okay, I totally get what she's saying. It's just talking about her space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it goes back around again.
0: Anyway, I, l- I love the visuals of that little tale. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to
2: add or ask t- about that to my mother? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, just So, you think it was like just a ghost, or do you think it's like a specific type of paranormal thing? or?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it was a paranormal thing. I think it has to do with different dimensions. Uh-huh. And for some crazy reason, um, this space that I was um, actually sharing a dimension with this little character, this little crotchety cantankerous.
0: And wasn't that house kind of, kind of, of that guy? Uh, didn't that house have a lot of like strange juju about it?
1: Yeah, it did. It did, and um, there were just um, a lot of odd things happening. We we didn't live there much longer past this particular incident um because it was just not a very happy place and you know I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff going on in that house that um is just really it's part of the paranormal
0: (laughs) yeah it was really really cool um give it a spooky nice (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) didn't didn't you felt didn't you say that you felt like there was some kind of presence in that house at times
1: yeah I did um And I felt like there was um, definitely an energy, of very negative energy, very um, ominous and dark and, you know, um, on the borders of evil. And I felt like it was um, an energy of presence um, up in the attic area. So here we have a house that's like a two story plus attic plus basement. And that vertical space seems mm-hmm. to me to be part of um, this portal or this space that is really um, just ominous and foreboding. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a happy home. It wasn't a happy place to grow up. A lot how of. How long uh,
2: did you grow up there? Like from what year to what years? Uh, um, as as your age.
1: I think from my birth to my to about five years old um finally moved out but um even as an infant one of my first memories um is that i'm sitting down uh, as i'm probably eight months old i can sit so i'm like eh, maybe eight months a year old and i'm playing with a baby doll a little plastic baby doll and at that time that's when uh dolls with the opening eye eyes and eyelids um, were coming into Toy World and so right. I had a little doll and I remember that I was holding it kind of playing around holding it and it opened its eyes and it said mama it called me mama <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like even at a year old I know I had this sense that this was not normal, and yeah, it was just creepy—a uh, little baby doll talking to me, calling me mama, mother, and yeah. so and you, I just flung it. I grabbed it by its foot and just flung it away, and it was just a weird. Uh, and you were saying
0: you were saying you didn't think that that was um, that that was a time before there was like a pull string or like a speaker, some kind of speaker yeah. box in the doll.
1: Right, right. We didn't, you know, dolls back then, the big uh, innovation at the time was for the eyes, uh, eyelids to open and close, you know, they had like little eyelashes on the eyes. So when the doll kind of, uh, and I have a sense that it kind of turned toward me and kind of looking up at me, opened its eyes and said, Uh, I didn't see the lips move, but I heard, definitely heard it, uh, the sound come from the doll, you know, saying, Mama, calling me its mother. Mm -hmm. And I'm only (laughs) a year old. (laughs) I'm not ready. Yeah, yeah, it was creepy, you know, even way back then and, you know, for as young as I was, I knew it was something really abnormal and weird.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you have another story? Or I I thought. You, uh, uh, did oh, you say yeah. you had two? Or
1: oh, I could tell you another story. Yeah, you um, got I'll another one. I
0: thought maybe <laughs> yeah. we sure talk, we talked. We talked the other night, and I thought we covered a lot of ground here. So I was hoping she had yeah, something I shared,
1: else. <laughs> yeah, I shared a number of stories. Um, with Wolfie, um, yeah. but the other one. <laughs> I'm the get other one. This
0: brand going. <laughs>
1: um, I lived with my boyfriend who. Um, And this is uh, kind of more recent, you know, I'm uh, just a few years back. And when I came to live at his house, uh, it was a house that he had built himself. And he had previously been married. uh, He was a widower and had been married to his wife for 30-some years. And she had passed away a couple of years before I even... Uh, met him but anyway as we came to uh, know each other uh, we decided you know that I would go and live over in his place so it was always a weird kind of a place um, in a certain part of the house I could hear voices kind of like I really couldn't make out what the words were what the conversation was about um, but it was almost like, um, kind of like, I guess you could call it a Supernatural Party Line, where somehow <laughs> I, I nice. tuned into these voices. That's going to be the name of
0: our
2: next podcast, by the way. Welcome to Supernatural <laughs> That's not a bad <laughs> name. <laughs> We've been searching for names recently for a new idea. More on that later, listeners. Uh, keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of overhearing... Um, conversations but i they weren't clear enough for me to make out any uh, any actual conversation uh, but i i just could overhear them so that was one of the weird things and uh my boyfriend uh never got rid of anything of his wife's belongings he had everything her clothes her jewelry her you know she was very present in the house you know just through her material um, belongings that were there in the house he just never wanted to get rid of anything and um anyway so it's that it, i always felt kind of uncomfortable because i just felt like there was some something else there in the home and um this whole particular home also had Uh, what we would call a soterrano, or a cellar, you know, like a cold storage, cellar, people Mm. would store vegetables and um, just a whole bunch of stuff down there, Um, but yeah, it was, uh, you could access that space, that little uh, basement, cellar space, uh, through some steps inside the home, and um, it was... You know didn't think a whole lot of it but one evening um we were just having a nice evening at home and i had to go to the bathroom i had to cross through a room that butted up is right adjacent to this cellar space um and so as i walked through that room which was dark though I didn't have any lights on I knew my way to the bathroom so I just was walking through the dark room and you know just kind of happy and just walking along and all of a sudden everything went black and the next thing I knew I was on the floor waking up and had a pain uh, at at the back of my head, down uh, at the lower skull on my right side, and I, you know, I was it was very um, kind of like absent. Didn't know what happened, but um, as I pieced everything back together, following that, I I knew that something had like hit me. At the back of the head and caused me to go unconscious to be knocked out i was flat knocked out and <laughs> yeah. yeah it wasn't my boyfriend <laughs> I know that. what did you just
0: say to him before you went to the bathroom <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. but and, uh, you, the you, next day yeah, go ahead. the next day um you know i i looked at that room trying to figure out what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so there were a couple of odd things. Um, as I did some research uh, on this particular incident, one of the things that I noticed in the room were, uh, there were two mirrors that basically were sitting across from each other and reflecting each other. Mm-hmm. And if you if you look into it, um, that's something that's called the infinity effect Mm -hmm. and so um it just the image um the reflecting image keeps bouncing back and forth for infinity you know Mm -hmm. with those mirrors facing each other and that's supposed Mm -hmm. to be a way um that uh, demonic forces evil spirits can enter your space is through mm. those reflecting mirrors so when i saw that um i kind of separated and uh the mirrors put you know just entirely took them down um but mirrors are kind of an odd thing mm. you I know just put mirrors
0: a mirror today. <laughs> and already i can feel things pure and back at me synchronicity yeah Apology.
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and this infinity effect is just you know it's bizarre uh because it will keep reflecting and you can even look in the mirror and see that um, the reflections keep yeah. bouncing back and forth I and mean, it almost makes yeah. like a little tunnel
0: yeah i think we've all probably done that before yeah 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 okay like yeah well, seen... you're like oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so in conclusion i surmised that um his former wife uh the deceased wife did not like me did not want me there in her home with her um husband um, she really considered me um uh that i was um, kind of in interfering or something like that but she did not like me and over over time I you know that was um, um, made very very clear a number of different things that happened but I think that uh, she was the one that clocked me and you know and I was out
2: oh man yeah wow Dagnabbit. nabit I also give that a spooky <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Some nice, creepy moments. <laughs> what? Yeah. If, I mean, Go ahead. I had a question about your belief st- system in general, or whatever you call mm-hmm. it, a structure, or, or belief, just your beliefs.
1: Okay, so I was raised in the Catholic religion and went through all of the sacraments and all of that. But deep down, you know, I've known since I was a, a child um, that I was really a nature girl and... <laughs> uh, Basically, I was a natural born pagan. Okay. And, um, you know, I've had, I have certain um, kind of like psychic abilities, maybe. I'm a little bit more open to psychic energy. And um, even to uh, before I was born, my mother kept hearing a cat crying and they looked everywhere for a cat inside the house and under beds and they looked in closets and they could not find the cat but they kept hearing the cat crying and um so my mother told her mother-in-law uh about it and you know kind of being coming from the old country being like mexico and whatever the metaphysics are um that grandmother told my mom oh you stupid woman you should not have said anything now you've ruined it she would have been a fortune teller and um anyway the the sound of the cat crying they realized it was coming from my mother's belly oh man so apparently i cried before i was born
2: oh man mm.
1: yeah and um throughout my life um i think i you know that's part of maybe i i'm not a full-blown fortune teller but there's something about um you know, my psychic abilities, I think, that uh, did come through. So yeah, I think it's part of, you know, the the stars you're born under, the point in time and place that you come into the world. Um, My astrology, my horoscope speaks a lot toward toward that. So yeah, kind of a little different.
2: Sweet. Awesome. And that seems to have imparted upon wolfie <laughs> at least some to some degree.
1: I think so. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah.
2: We talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Me and Stefan and uh I'm I don't necessarily believe in a lot of it, but I do I don't know. I I like the I don't know. I like talking about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh maybe i believe in some parts of it and um we've been trying to add even outside of the spooky house october thing we do it's a little bit like try to add a little bit more of like talk about what, what would you say stephan like the dark side of the nerdosphere well, like, or whatever, yeah, it, whatever it would be almost called. like
0: internet esoterica you know it's just yeah. like uh, the obscure and interesting topics of things that are just, you know, have happened or are happening, because um, I think uh, I think a lot of times we end up in these kind of discussions. They do, you know, it has a lot to do with bouncing off your values and your beliefs off of the other members in the discussion and stuff, and seeing where everything all adds up. And I think by adding, by by shedding light on some of these topics, we'll be able to. To have some of these really cool like kind of heady conversations um you know along with the still with the crass humor and the dick jokes and whatnot <laughs> but uh but yeah yeah i've always been like a signs and symbols type of guy i'm like big on like you know the story's been told the same over and over and just just vi- the visuals change the the aesthetic changes you know luke skywalker becomes neo jesus becomes luke skywalker that kind of thing um but i do believe in magic and i think you can You can hack your perception of things to a point that you're really affecting your reality. But anyway, that's
2: the part I. That's the one of the, like the 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 one part I feel like there might be some truth to as far as, yeah, I would call it like brain hacking, like some sort of like self, uh, yeah, I think it definitely brainwashing. Make it to make hack your own brain to make yourself more effective or however you want to be. It's essentially like a
0: like a um, like using a placebo effect to your benefit in a lot of ways, yeah. I think, because yeah. it's really it's like you're really getting down to the point with the way that you the way that you're questioning, the way that you perceive all of what you're and, and what you can do with that information as opposed to just taking it for what it is. Um, so, yeah, it's really like, where are you at with your how weird are you really? <laughs> I, like my, yeah. I like to let my freak
2: flag fly. Yeah. Say that three times fast oh man and are you i mean before you go sandra how do you feel about wolfie still being in the ninja turtles and action figures in general and all that stuff
1: oh god i love it because (laughs) you know i was i was right there um as uh, my boys were growing up and um you know ninja turtles and x-men and (laughs) Oh, gosh, all the, you know, the superheroes. um, And, you know, we would spend uh, time going to comic book stores and buying cards and comics (laughs) and all this great stuff. And, you know, um, just the aesthetics of the superhero world was really just gorgeous, you know, and I loved all of the. Uh, these wonderful powers that all the superheroes had and um, yeah it was just great really great stuff so yeah I I'm there too
2: <laughs> did you grow up watching uh, Linda Carter Wonder Woman and all that stuff
1: yes I watched uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman and uh, you know Superman and um, Superboy and Supergirl and Batman
2: okay yeah All right.
1: for sure but yeah that you know <laughs> saturday mornings was our time to you know <laughs> that was we watch. didn't go to
0: church after a while that was church was saturday morning baby <laughs> yeah what's better than that the cereal and toys and cartoons
1: yeah and a little bit later you know uh friday nights was x um yeah x files
0: x files and right? and uh db uh, yeah, like, Sweet harsh realm anyway
1: yeah so
0: um star trek the next generation context
1: of Steph's growing up yeah Yeah. for
0: sure there's
2: a lot of great stuff at that time
0: period oh man so good yeah the the late 80s and and early 90s were awesome mostly because i didn't have a whole lot i needed to be responsible for but (laughs) yeah my mom really made it really made it like a enjoyable and not just the way that like if i wanted the toy i could get the toy she made a big impact on my my want to like be a storyteller and go to film school and do all these you know the stuff that we've been doing with the podcast and everything um because it was like it was just like yeah you got the toy and everything but like what are you gonna do with it because i had friends that would straight up come up to me and my uh my childhood best friend who we had a similar imagination but i would have friends that would come up to us and be like hey friend you want to fight and then like clack their figures up against mine like what are you doing like we had (laughs) full-blown stories that would go on for (laughs) for months at a time we'd have characters die d &D type of thing with the figure figure, with our action figures and i'm like those were just actors you know they were a lot easier to work with than actors but you know it was like it stimulated that whole thing to need to like visualize ideas and dreams and you know superheroes or that exaggerated example of us all and like the way that our abilities are reinterpreted into this these types of you were of like
2: movies. andy from toy stories basically Totally.
0: yeah a little bit andy from toy story and a little bit andy from child's play but it all worked out <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man it all worked out pretty good yeah
0: <laughs>
1: One yeah, of my main things, was,
2: go ahead, go ahead,
1: Sandra. Oh, I was just going to say, when I was growing up, you know, it was a lot of Mickey Mouse and um, kind of fairy tales. And I still love Mickey Mouse. Uh, oh, oh. But uh, in Wolfie's generation, it was so much more interesting and exciting. <laughs> you know, the characters were just, you know, just, uh, they were just bigger than life. And I thought they were really exciting and, and um i think you know kids at that time just really loved all of those uh shows and characters yeah it was a great great time
0: yeah definitely (laughs) i think so yeah that's our whole entire show is based off of pretty much that concept (laughs) yeah in a lot of
2: ways it's weird because i'll be like sometimes i'm like i like it because i maintain the heart of a child but then also I feel like it's not just that, because if you dig deeper into the comics and stuff, it's like the new American mythology, and like they're borrowing from Greek myths and all kinds of myths from around the world, and it's not just... I mean, on the surface, it's bright suits and spandex, and that seems like a child's thing, but then you dig deeper, and there's, there's the mythology aspect to it as well, which is definitely a part of
1: it that
2: a lot of people probably don't get. More people get it now than yeah. they used to. Think,
1: absolutely but, but yes. it's like
2: that part is not necessarily just a child's thing you know like it's it's a mixture of a child the children's world and sort of an adult storytelling world too at, at times it can be you know yeah. so very
1: different i think very different from fairy tales mythology yeah. versus fairy tales i never really liked fairy tales too much they were i don't know they I just didn't buy it. I just did not buy fairy tales or uh, Mother Goose, you know, all those silly rhymes. I I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. But mythology, uh, Mm. even as a child, I was just fascinated and uh, captured. If anything uh, religious, I was almost, you know, again, pagan, uh, looking at um, (laughs) Greek gods and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Norse gods and... Uh, though that was uh more uh real and uh to me than than fairy tales for sure Mm -hmm.
0: because it like hits to your core like you can relate to all those different characters and yes and the stories are
1: so interesting and all of the characters that you know were part of that whole mythology you know
0: yeah Like Now we have our pantheons of the Justice League, the X-Men, the Avengers, and stuff. We have all these. And they borrow, obviously, Thor and and Wonder Woman and stuff. They borrow from Greek mythology pretty liberally um, and then kind of re-spout that. Dude,
2: the whole Justice League. Check this out. Superman's Zeus, Wonder Woman's Athena, Green Lantern's Apollo, I think. Batman is Hades. And, of Mm. course, Aquaman is Poseidon. Like, the whole... I mean, definitely. I know what you're saying. Like Wonder Woman is definitely borrowing from the Greek stuff, like very much so. But like, I feel like there's a lot of, well, what do you call it? The um archetypes mm-hmm. are, and in the Justice League, if you combine the whole team together, I think they do put all that. Oh, the Flash is Hermes. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole thing is there. And it's mm-hmm. like, a maybe it's a parallel. B, it's probably just. Is this just how humans? You know, like, if, if humans started over yeah. again, they'd probably invent yeah. the same thing, just maybe with different yeah. names, different costumes, Difference. but probably yeah. same, similar powers. Yeah. You know, one
0: thing, one thing I was thinking about the other day, and this steps away from comic books a bit, but one thing I was thinking about the other day is a lot of people don't see the very obvious connections that, um, oh Brother, Where Art Thou has with The Odyssey. Um, yeah. Yeah. like that whole thing is structured around that same type of. Uh, Or that same story the way it's structured and characters that are used and everything But a lot of people don't really know that that that's what that is. They just think it's like a wholly original Adventure written by the Coen brothers, you know Um, So it's interesting to see how like the older Mythologies where it comes falls to the wayside where these newer stories with the same mythologies are just being put out Um, Same thing with like the Warriors the Warriors follows the Odyssey a little bit as well. Um, Does it really? yeah it does i wrote my final credits in college on i did a paper on that how all the correlations <laughs> that the warriors makes with um archetypical mythology like one of my favorite movies ever um but I, yeah I it just, does.
2: i feel like that's the great disconnect with people that are kind of casually into it and people that yeah. are in are into superheroes yeah. and stuff is is this whole deeper mythology connection right um it's and everything. sometimes it's just super friends and it's not very deep but A lot of times especially since what the 80s a lot of it's been a lot deeper than probably a lot of people imagine this one time
0: i I was i think i have mentioned this maybe but this one time i was on i was reading a mythology book a norse mythology book yeah and this girl asked me oh what are you reading like what's it about i was like oh you know norse gods like um odin and loki and thor and you know this and that and whatever she's like oh i don't like comic book movies That's a stop talking days. to her
2: immediately. Yeah,
0: it's one of the saddest days of my life. I was like, wow, dude. Like, I don't mind having more taxes if it means money's gonna go to education.
2: That would be, <laughs> nice. be It's bad, man. I feel like it's <laughs> that's a whole other conversation, but it feels yeah. like people are getting dumber. Dude. Dumber and
0: dumber, mean. zorp you guys don't want to yeah. morty. Um <laughs> yeah, they are. I've been thinking about that quite a bit too. But Another topic for another day. Mother, thank you yes. so much for coming on and, and regaling us with your tales of um, the
1: macabre uh, upbringing. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having their... me on. Thank I you, Sandra. You, I love yeah. your show. It's <laughs> great. And I bet you've got a lot of listeners that are my age listening in. So. I hope so. So good job, Holy guys. God, thank, you. Yeah, <laughs> thank, you, right, thank you. Thank you, mama. Okay, <laughs> that over and out.
0: I'll talk
2: to you later. <laughs> Thank you, Sandra, for that. And thanks for bringing her on, own Wolfie no Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to move on got to... my mom
0: to call me Wolfie. That was awesome. I know. I was actually kind of uh, surprised by that, but that's cool. Now it's set. I know it's weird to be, just be all of a sudden be like, this is my name now, but I really don't care. And, uh, well, she always has a
2: wolf thing too. So it's yeah. Totally. In the stars. She
0: she bought me wolf bed sheets, and like at one point when I was really little, my whole room was just like wolves everywhere. <laughs> Thank you, mom. That's Mama. awesome. I do feel a kinship with the lupine race. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: lupine creature. Oh my god. Move on. All right, moving on. Okay, <clears throat> moving on to our next segment in this episode. Uh, we're going to be discussing cults in video games Hell and yeah. a few other related topics, but we'll get to that as, uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So um, at the at the top of this section, I wanted to say first that uh, a lot of the research comes from Complex.com, Wikipedia, Daily Mail UK, and a few others that I don't want to mention, but I can if you want to email us or whatever uh, later, but I don't want to spoil it uh, at the moment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, so, Colts in video games. First off, we got Dead Space. Remember that series? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should make a comeback. I don't know why it hasn't. Um, anyway, yeah. the cult in that was called Unitology. Unitology. Dude, Dead yeah, Space here. That's- game. I know. Yeah, Maddie should be here. Maddie is traveling, which is why he's not here. Sorry about that, everybody. Wow. But. Uh, Dead Space's unitology is a perfect example of how humans, human beings ascribe power and meaning to things they don't fully comprehend. Unitology began when an alien artifact was found on Earth by a geological exploration team. The marker, as it became no- as it came to be known, was used to prove that humans weren't originally from Earth and that our origins were far more celestial in nature. Using the marker as the foundation of Unitology, the religion went on to become insanely powerful, like Scientology, powerful, and peppered <laughs> in some mass suicides and ritualistic human sacrifices just to keep things popping. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dead
0: Space was pretty awesome.
2: I never played it, but I feel like I should have. I don't know yeah. why I didn't. It's um, good. It was
0: like it was like the big budget. Uh, uh, backdrops and everything for a video game like one of the one of the next first next gen um AAA titles, you know, is what they would call it, I think. Um but it felt like something Ridley Scott would have made back in the day. I, it just I don't felt know.
2: so authentic. Um yeah, go ahead. I don't know how I missed it because I well, a yeah. I never had a PS2. I, that was a period of my life when I wasn't playing many video games.
0: It was a lot of jump scares. It was yeah. a lot of. It was a little bit more action than it was horror. I kind of wish it was subdued a little bit because you're pretty much around every corner, going to have to blast something with the mining tool that you have, which is pretty cool,
2: and you can upgrade. I mean, it. it's a video game, isn't that hard to get around? I don't know. What? Well, like, yeah. well, I guess Silent Hill kind of accomplished the whole doesn't have to be super actiony. Yeah. Thing to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's
0: for the video game. It's hard, especially if you're doing clocking something that's longer than like fifteen hours or something. You're gonna want it to be uh, engaging. But I always liked them. I didn't super love them. Maddie really liked them. Um, Dead Space games. The design was really good, and the built-in mythology was pretty cool. If I remember, the marker always looked awesome, and um, and it was a pretty interesting game. It spawned a lot of different media, anime and. And shit, like animated movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a few more games, but yeah, cool. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: I have a little bit more on that before we move on. Oh yeah, yeah uh, the main—that's okay. No, interrupt me anytime. Uh, the, the main quote that apparently is uh, "Altman be praised," a common Unitologist phrase, and that's because it was a religion that was founded by a guy named Michael Altman in the game, and uh, the. Hi, I'm Michael Altman. Uh, (laughs) Would you like to join my religion? Yeah, pretty much. The (laughs) promise of the Church of Unitology is one of transformation and rebirth. This scriptural message is poetic, elusive, and unscientific, despite their claimed origins in a secret research project, and embodies the abandonment of reason for the profession of unwavering faith in the promise of the Marker. Much of the detail about the church's inner workings remains undisclosed to outsiders and most adherents. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Set
0: the atmosphere there. Gotta have a nice low. What do they call those uh, subtone, subbass <laughs> I forgot they called. Anyway,
2: <laughs> sub subtonal thing. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next one. If if you don't have anything else about that one. Um, uh, the Los Illuminados in Resident Evil 4. They go. This is what this article said. It cults need to have a certain mass appeal in order to get followers to abandon rational thinking and embrace some batshit dogma. Los <laughs> Illuminados, Spanish for the enlightened, is a religion native to an isolated mountainous region of Spain. It lasted throughout ancient times until several centuries ago when its adher- adherents. were were eradicated by a Christian army led by the first Castellan, a folk figure in the region. In late 2004, its adherents were again killed, this time by a number of foreign agents. The religion centers around the power of the Plagueis, parasite organisms they believed held some divine significance. Adherents believe that the surrender of body and soul to the creatures was key to spiritual cleanliness and the gateway to true happiness. And that's it hasn't really, that's a really cool setup.
0: That's a really cool setup. Um in, in involving cults and the parasites and zombies and everything. That's like a great setup. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Like a
2: parasite cult, yeah, like yeah, that's amazing. Cool. Um it's also the last thing it says here most people don't know this but resident evil titles are mostly metaphors about failed domestic economic policies what they probably they probably get some sort of like inspiration from reading the news and then just build a story out from there interesting yeah yeah also a good
0: thing to note about resident evil 4 is it's like uh, i never i never played through the whole thing i really want to at this point because it gets kind of the billing as being one of the uh like an innovator on the on the um, like duck and cover kind of shooters we play now, third third oh, person yeah. action yeah. games. It was a big innovator and kind of was the first game to do like the over the shoulder viewpoint and um, certain ways that they take he takes cover and the whole fighting the firing the combat system and everything is was like super innovative and now pretty much all games through Tomb Raider to Drake to Max Payne um, that have come out since take a lot from Resident Evil Four.
2: When that game came out it was like well this is what it should have been like the whole fucking time that's yeah they you know? ju- they
0: got their best character leon and they just like let it roll and i have a feeling they're going to do a total remaster at some point after that resident evil 2 remaster yeah. comes out and that's going to be sick man that's going to be such a great game because it's just compounding off of everything that four did all the way through uh, six before they did that total reboot
2: recently I think Um, it's definitely coming. I mean, they got that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of. uh, Now
0: all we fucking need is to reboot the film uh, franchise and uh, get James Wan is behind it. Yes. Oh, they're trying to do a TV show, isn't it? Like a TV thing. I don't.
2: It might be a TV thing, but Wan is producing producing it. it.
0: Yeah. Either way, get get dive back or like take another look at this, like because those Paul W. S. Anderson movies were just like schlocky, you know yeah they didn't treat it well because they're playing those games you're in raccoon city you feel like you're in raccoon city especially that second one where you're going through the town and everything like it was just it was just illustrated so well they need that caravaggio kind of lighting and should that really stark contrast kind of shit and just you know and fixed camera angles are are powerful for horror um i'd say uh film and in video games you know
2: television whatever right yeah yeah, they, they never did it right. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to the to the final one in the list, but I wanted to really focus in on this one.
1: Mm. All right, all right.
2: So we have come it. to the order from Silent Hill. Oh shit! <laughs> Hoping to think <laughs> <bring> about. <laughs> Hoping to bring about the apocalypse, kidnapping, massive doses of hallucinogens, and ascending to oneness are all found in the Order's Welcome Brochures. <laughs> the Order, also <laughs> known as the organization and simply the cult, is the principal antagonistic organization of the Silent Hill series. They are religious doomsday cult. They are a religious doomsday cult and secret society residing within the town of Silent Hill, Maine. I guess that's where all the fog comes from anyway and have expanded into other towns across the region such as shepherds Glen. it is possible that some of their members scattered throughout america as well as the rest of the world toby archbolt for example once went to mexico the order believes that they are the one true faith and one true religion and that all other religions on planet earth are deceptions and false lies it is ambiguous if this is true or if it is make-believe fantasy manifested by the ancient power of Silent Hill. It is also unknown how much of the Order's mythology and beliefs are actually rooted in truth or merely man-made fabricated fantasies and fables used to brainwash its followers. The Order has their own set of holy books and scriptures which they claim is the Word of God, a sun deity depicted as female. Often, the Order believes these writings are truth and were divinely inspired, using phrases such as, and God said, whether these books are truly holy remains unknown. Pyramid Head takes the form of an iconic figure of judgment and punishment of the Order's mythos, Veltiel. The creature itself even makes an appearance to follow Heather Mason, the reincarnation of Alessa, and the dormant god still sleeping in her womb. (laughs)
0: is that silent hill 2 when pyramid head comes about or is he in the first
2: one uh i think first one really wish maddie was here on this one uh i can't yeah. remember but i remember being there pretty fucking early on i'll have to jump in on that silent hill one yeah i'm
0: little, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm kind of scared of survival horror games i'm not gonna lie
2: <laughs> really
0: i don't they don't sometimes, really bother yeah. me all that much. i really I enjoy it but sometimes i gotta be like oh, okay i gotta back away from this
2: but yeah. i guess it's like- that's, i mean that's pretty common yeah. also all the description just seems like they're kind of playing off the like um right-wing christians in america kind of thing we're the one true religion you know like this is mm-hmm. a lot of what i'm getting here mm-hmm. coming from where i'm from yeah. not to say that other religions aren't like that but i'm sure that was kind of the uh a big the inspiration break. for them yeah anyway the order's main goal as many of its members state is to usher in the apocalypse And deliver the faithful to the eternal paradise, a utopian world that is a place without hunger, illness, war, or greed, a realm where all would live by God's grace alone. The paradise means many different things to many members, but the goals remain the same. And this is brought about in ways that vary from sect to sect. Some try to actively aid it while others simply prepare for the inevitable. Probably the most core and fundamental myth about Silent Hill as a series is the continued propagation of the idea that the series as a whole is about characters dealing with rep- repressed inner demons, typically a repressed power, repressed memory of guilt over a perceived sin which they have committed. This idea is rooted in the popularity of Silent Hill 2 if it is so pervasive that the... It is so pervasive that the designers and producers of newer installments of the series embrace it while dismissing the other critical elements of the game's stories. And also, just a little added thing here, I I really like this. Uh, The the reason that Silent Hill 2's design was so successful and unique is that uh, Silent Hill Hill 2 had excellent atmosphere that was based in feelings of melancholy and depression rather than fear and threat. I guess mm-hmm. you could say the fear and threat was, is more of a Resident Evil thing. Exploring mm-hmm. a character's personal guilt and depression works great when an entire game is designed around, around that central unifying theme. It yeah, doesn't work great. quite so well when you try to combine it with a primal fear response. Depression mm-hmm. is a downer that makes you slow, apathetic, and unresponsive. Fear is a stimulant that makes you anxious, alert, and active. And there's a few other things here. I thought that was pretty fucking awesome. And I, the main mm-hmm. thing I noticed when I was a kid was that Silent Hill. So in Resident Evil, you're a SWAT member. You know, I'm a member mm-hmm. of STARS. Yeah, you know, you're man. a trained badass with a gun. But yeah. in, si- in Silent Hill, you're just some dude that barely knows how to hold a gun. Yeah. So I thought I that was one of the first things that I really yeah, noticed really cool. about that. Any thoughts so far, Stefan? Um, I'm just remembering the atmosphere of this
0: game and the the you know the. I do I forget if there's like, I don't think there's voices and I think you read a lot of what's coming at you Probably. in the game, and uh, and I just really liked that about like um, um a survival horror games where you would, you would like pick up a letter or something that somebody left and you'd peer into this part of the story or the part of this world, and it just makes it that much more believable and then just like. Of this game in particular the uh the tension as it mounts as you get closer to the end as things get more hellish and the music and just the blocky graphics at the time it was just such a it was just such a like provocative but seeing
2: fog and like just having atmosphere because you know 16 bit games couldn't really have atmosphere like that yeah i mean like sort of sometimes but the way the way silent hill really created its atmosphere i really do think that it it kind of stood apart Mm-hmm. from like yeah. it was like right on the heels of Resident Evil but it, it was just different enough to make it really its own thing and respectable
1: yeah
2: yeah resident evil had those like real really like um
0: those really well designed out backgrounds and stuff and they were kind of like still paintings you really couldn't do much with the backgrounds themselves and Silent Hill had a lot more outdoor... Or at the beginning it had like a lot more outdoor with the fog and stuff and mountains and things like that. So it was really the different setting and the different methods by which they went to like... Um, uh, what would you say? How would you say it? Like uh, went to design the backgrounds and everything. Like the world in Silent Hill, you could kind of interact with it a little bit more than than Resident Evil. And Resident Evil was kind of like really on rails in that regard. Well, I guess not on rails, but you were kind of stuck in the one location where in Silent Hill you kind of moved around this little town a little bit more.
2: Yeah, maybe a slightly more open world. They couldn't get it totally open world back then, but yeah, you know, so, good enough. So it was
0: so restrictive and the viewpoint was a little bit different here and there where Resident Evil had those fixed camera angles. And I think that's where the Primal Fear stuff kind of plays into, as well as just being your character being attacked because it has like you can't as a viewer you can't really go anywhere you can't really move and as a player you can't like move the camera to kind of like see what your next your escape route's going to be
2: you just kind of got to know where you're at and where you're going to go and uh, right yeah those fucking camera angles man that's Mm -hmm. that's one thing that does not grow that does not hold up like yeah like when you go back you play an emulator or you actually buy the game or something go into a new cam- a new room, and it's different camera angle, and your your controls are a bit off. Mm-hmm. A bit different from the last room, like that is just so. Yeah. That is, it just doesn't hold up, man, at all. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I
0: like they did they did a more updated control scheme when they did the remasters of the first game, which was pretty cool, and it made the, going through that uh, an updated version of that mansion a little bit less headache inducing <laughs> early playstation games had interesting controls because they were just really like developing that 14 button um joystick added
2: yeah control Figuring it out
0: game. And it's like the first medal of honor i was playing that and the controls are way weird like the way you move forward and the way you look around you know it's just like so much different than you'd expect any first person shooter to be now um, and it's interesting to go back and play like those old games that were hits, big innovators and people adapting to those control schemes um, because that's the best that it was at the time. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so so yeah, it's it's really interesting to go back and play older games and kind of like have to restructure your brain a little bit to right. retro retroactively p- understand it because things have just become either more complex or more fluid from that point
2: right all right ready to move on i have a little extra section that i um, didn't completely uh, tell you about but very much yeah. related stefan wolfie cruz cool. moving on from that i we're blowing through this man holy shit Woo. but
0: uh so magic.
2: this is from an article i found, found was pretty cool uh it was uh it's from giantbomb.com and it's and it's entitled the most occult video games i've ever seen he lists like 10 or so but i wanted to focus on three Mm -hmm. uh just just for time's sake and all that so the first one is a game called taboo for the nes i didn't know this existed uh but it's literally a tarot card simulator whoa (laughs) doesn't get any more occult than this cool (laughs) the 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 artwork is really good too i think i like the artwork a lot what's the the game called again taboo Taboo. for the nes nes man what in the what taboo the sixth sense is the first nes fortune telling game to be created entirely for a u.s audience though the format was not new to nintendo's platform this would be the first chance for players outside of japan to divine their future with 8-bit software (laughs) as with play this yes As with tarot, much of the game's clairvoyancy is derived from tarot cards. The standard astrological horoscope also factors into the game's divination process to some extent. Notably, the game was one of the first official video games to be promoted specifically as an adults-only product intended for players 14 and up. Sweet. It also carried the warning that it was meant for entertainment purposes only and none of its predictions are meant to be taken seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. They just, they just have to say that. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's it's legal shit they gotta do. A yeah, lot of people would take it seriously as well. Also, I found out Oh, good. I found out recently that Bruce Dickinson is, you know, from Iron Maiden is very much uh, in tarot tarot cards. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I um, did not know that was a thing, but he's just seems so. Uh, I know they're. I thought it was just imagery, like with that band, but I guess they're into some. Mm-hmm. They're into some shit. Yeah, he. I bet he's like some kind of chaos magician or something. He's had such a
0: prosperous life, and I mean, I know <laughs> he's work. I know he's worked hard, and he's. They have a great band. He's an insanely amazing singer and stuff like that. But he's just been very fortunate, it seems, and that's that's pretty cool. I wouldn't be surprised, is all I'm saying. If if my friend here had some sigil magic tattoos or
2: maybe something i need to look more into that because i mean that guy is so interesting yeah uh dude and when i when i watched um the grand detour or something it's the new it's a newer uh uh, osborne show Mm -hmm. where he and jack go across the across mainly america I never even heard of that. And man. one Japan episode, too. But it's all, the rest of the episodes are in America, it seems like. Mm. And Ozzie is fucking hilarious, bro. God, he's so funny. <laughs> What's, What's the, the show called again? Grand Detour, I think. Grand it's like Detour? a few huh. years old. But man, it's so oh, wow. funny. And uh, fucking, so Ozzy sometimes will say to people, God bless you, Sesta, or something like that. Uh-huh. And the guitarist... I think one of the guitarists also is just straight up Christian. Mm-hmm. So just kind of leads you to believe like they like dark imagery, mm-hmm. but that, they don't really take it seriously. They're not, I don't know. It seems yeah, like they're not yeah. like 100% yeah. like we're fucking yeah. part of the cult. You know, I don't know. I mean, their name is yeah, I Black think, Black think they, you know, Sabbath, they
0: took, but- I think it was those, you know, those early psych rock bands and stuff, and LSD kind of bled into the darker. Aesthetic and stuff like that, and uh, Black Sabbath arose from those. You know, that was that whole tritone thing. That, um, yeah, what's his name? What's the guitarist name from Ioni?
2: Tell me, Ioni, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, he uh, that was his whole thing. Is he once he figured out how like what tritones were or something like that, and incorporating them into the music to make it sound more sinister and stuff was really the what a lot of people consider the birthplace of heavy metal,
2: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. the, the, the tritone thing is, is yeah. kind of like the, one of the beginnings of heavy metal. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we got two more here. Um, sorry to cut you off. Was that everything? <laughs> I'm just always concerned with time, man. No, yeah, you're good. You know? That was everything. Okay. Do it, man. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so the second is Xenogears, believe it or not. Remember that from PS1? Oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a PS1 RPG, I think yeah. from Square. I'm pretty sure it was that- from Square Enix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go
0: ahead. It's a, it's an RPG. I was just about to confuse huh? that with. I I was just about to confuse it with Zone of the Enders. No, um, which is not that. a totally different game. This uh, Xeno Gears is like an RPG, right? Like a turn-based.
2: It is an RPG. It's Xeno is X E N O Gears, mm-hmm. and the entire game makes many references to Kabbalah and Gnosticism. Same. and there's even uh It looks like uh, a spray painted X. Uh, behind it, just to kind of accentuate the X and Xeno gears, mm-hmm. but it could be also kind of an homage or some sort of reference to a bloody cross. Uh, not really sure. Uh, I never beat the game, I think I actually did own it, but again, I was <laughs> always dabbling in RPGs, but never really yeah. went too far with it. But I I found- try that one now. yeah, I, I mean, you can emulate that or buy it on the PS Store, whatever you want to do. Uh, we do not officially uh you know endorsed endorse uh great. Legal great that, you know? yeah but anyway <laughs> we went on uh wikipedia had this to say about it uh the game was left near was nearly left unlocalized due to its religious content its localization handled entirely by square electronic arts staff and translator richard honeywood who described it as one of the most troublesome games of his career The game received critical acclaim, with praise particularly going towards the storyline, gameplay, characters, and psychological and religious themes, but received criticism for rushed pace of the second disc due to a lack of gameplay and excessive narration. By 2003, the game had shipped over a million copies worldwide. By the way, 2003 is way late in the game, but whatever. Uh, Because that game came out, what, 98 or some shit? Anyway... The game has since gained, and this is the exact words from Wikipedia, a cult following. (laughs) Uh, Xenogears contains many allusions to a variety of subjects, like we said, Gnosticism, Jewish mysticism, which is Kabbalah, Jungian psychology, humanism, and biblical symbolism, as well as questions about the nature of existence, humanity, culture, faith, and religion. Boom. Really makes me want to play that shit.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm, like, looking into acquiring it. <laughs> it. <laughs> my words there, carefully. In some
2: way or another. Google
0: searching. Just <laughs> getting the lowdown, really. More yeah. than anything.
2: Yeah. Um, the look of it does not... Like, it, from the surface, it looks like just some regular anime shit. But, you know, just like anime does... Like, a lot of anime seems to have... And you know, anime type art, or an, uh, anime, manga, or video games—they they seem to kind of like really dabble into that stuff a lot of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rich. It's rich in its own mythology too, and like certain concepts or, or concepts addressing like you know, a lot of RPGs and stuff have like magical uh, uh, magical aspects to them, or or whatever. And like a game like this could draw a lot from from other established metaphysical mythologies or dogmas or whatever you want to call them. Um, especially through Kabbalah, which Kabbalah is kind of like early, what what would later become like witchcraft and stuff. And then, you know, a lot of those practices would be brought into a more contemporary chaos
2: magic and shit like that. It doesn't, isn't like Kabbalah sort of, I feel like that's related to chaos magic.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Kabbalah, a lot of like, intent based um, symbolic ritual and stuff like that. A lot of those early, a lot of what you would do common practices now are, have their origins, I think in a lot and in Kabbalah and, and just like ritualistic uh, um, like thought stimulation or whatever. I don't know. I don't actually know that a whole lot about Kabbalah, but I know that a lot of um, current magical practices have borrowed a lot of different, techniques ritualistic techniques and i don't know i guess what you'd call spells or intention based rites, or i don't know but um a lot of yeah, at least some sort of brain
2: hacking that. thing or something like that yeah or, exactly
0: exactly it's like an earlier kind of philosophical approach philosophical and metaphysical approach to um to uh, kind of like altering your reality or influencing your ability to manifest stuff and things like that kind of i think that's why like a lot of celebrities got into kabbalah well madonna did and the people just fucking followed it after that so yeah and it's like it's it's certainly powerful stuff it's pre you know orthodox uh abramic judaism where they kind of were like we don't want any of the magic shit we just want you know i don't know what we want exactly but (laughs) you know what i mean it's it was was like a precursor to a yeah it's a precursor to a lot of different what people would call witchcraft or like crowley dilemma and
2: Mr. Crowley. <laughs> all right, last one on the list is the 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 American name is just is just the the Japanese name. All right, so it's Shin Megami Tensei. Shin Megami Tensei. I would need to see the kanji for Tensei, but Shin is new and Megami is goddess, so new goddess. Mm-hmm. um Tensei, I'd have to look up. I have to see it in Japanese. I just have it in English here. Anyway uh that game is also an rpg series it's a jrpg and uh it says uh, as the world comes to an end through the acts of a cult's sacrifice a teenage boy is transformed into the demi fiend neither fully human nor demon with opposing forces fighting to shape a new world he has the power to guide the path to- of its creation <laughs> That dude, this one looks also <laughs> like a little bit more adult ish uh-huh. I mean Xenogears gears and all that like they 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 have sort of a cute cuter look. Um, this one's not totally like it's still got a little bit of that anime cuteness to it but mm. a, a, like a couple notches uh, more adult looking, I'd say. Mm. Looking at the Wikipedia page, it looks pretty satanic on the Wikipedia. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're definitely dabbling, man, in that shit. And there's several several versions, I think, mainly on Vita and 3DS these days. Vita's Um, dead, pretty much, but 3DS has several incarnations, and I'm probably gonna get one at some point. But Mm. I don't know. I've just been in like i want to like power through an RPG and really get into it. I don't know why. I just I think I'm mature enough
0: now. I think I'm patient enough now that I could really. Like not
2: ever beating Chrono triggers, like not ever reading that great novel.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> you know? I've started Final Fantasy VII. I don't know how many times. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I got pretty far in Final Fantasy IX. I liked that one quite a bit. And Final Fantasy VII was got a little quite a bit far, but um, I just could never build my character very smart, and they would die, and it would be just so difficult.
2: Well, what kills me is is again just the like like I don't mind reading a little bit, but having to talk to everybody in a town before you can move on right and the other thing is i do not mind the uh what do you call it the turn-based combat like picking through a menu that really? part kills it for most people not me i'm yeah. fine with that part totally I like, I like turn-based fighting um
0: again final fantasy 10 i was really enjoying it but i got to the like the first real boss and I couldn't even get past it. I was like, "What am I doing wrong here?" You know, <laughs> had to go back, go through the little town, and figure it out. But it was, it was less. I was less inclined back then to do that. Um, I, I uh, Shinmu is considered somewhat of like an action
2: RPG. That was about <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, um, I mean, again, that, I mean, Zelda. Zelda is a very, you know, it's the most famous action RPG. Yeah, yeah, definitely. you know, may, maybe Skyrim and shit now too. But Zelda like, you know, it's been action since the beginning. <laughs> all right everybody that concludes this jam-packed episode on video games and the occult and of course sandra
0: mommy mommy dearest <laughs> thank you for coming by and telling us your spooky tales
2: yeah tales, yeah kind of sad that spooky house ends this is releasing right on halloween so hopefully this will help you through your halloween uh and hopefully you are not only listen to this hopefully you're out there doing something so uh Anyway, yeah, thanks again, Sandra. And if you have uh, any more uh, video game and occult stuff, please let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or anywhere else. Um, we're also at superhousepodcast at gmail.com if you want to just email us. If you want to just email us directly, we're going to be putting this episode into our Shenfo Cast playlist on SoundCloud. That's where you can find our Hasbro deep dive episodes are doctor strange and the occult episodes and the top video game conspiracies and uh what was the one you had video game myths myths and mysteries yeah it was myths, kind of yeah, an,
0: a, a, a an offshoot of what you did with the conspiracy one yes kind of fun
2: and also as usual uh every episode we should be doing this anyway thanks to shasta and matt herring for the patreon contribution we're uh, we're at patreon.com slash super house slash super podcast. The lowest tier there is just the dollar, so if you feel so inclined, please uh, you know throw us a few shekels here and there. And uh, we're at superhousepod.com, Red Bubble and Tea Public. And I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter, bro. Uh, what you and uh, can you explain yours? Stephen, yours is always hard to fuck. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. I um, hope you enjoyed the spooky house episodes this year. Still in kind of its fetal stages. I'd like to do a ton more for Halloween, uh, podcast-wise, uh, but it's just a matter of finding time to do it. Currently, please drop us a couple ducats in Patreon if you do feel so inclined, as Andrew mentioned. <laughs> and have a happy halloween my instagram is cut that first happy halloween out my instagram is wolfie cruz w-o-l-i-f-i-w-o-l-f-i-e-c-r-u-z-z um and i got some pictures up there every now and again hopefully i'll get more art up there and more just like general shit i do i don't know why i've been so busy lately but it seems like i have
2: um also if you could just check out uh hot package on our youtube search House podcast hot package on youtube and also if you it would really help us out if you left us a review in itunes five stars please <laughs> or whatever whatever you want to do with any review actually would would help and um <laughs> it's sad that we're ending spooky spooky house today man um kind of yeah. kind of sad to see it go maybe we maybe we just keep this going i love but, the spooky month
0: and, yeah, I will definitely try and make more spooky things, regardless of
2: the month itself. And Yeah, exactly. We'll probably just keep this going, at least in some form or fashion. And please let us know anywhere online, uh, you know, if you liked this more than the review episodes that we have been doing. So, uh, you know, the Shinfo, the house Info stuff, you know, where we give you more info rather than just review a movie so Stefan and i are and the rest of us of course are interested in uh doing more of these and uh we want to see how the listeners think about it so isn't that right Stefan? yeah for sure hit us up in (laughs) the comments (laughs) (laughs) all right andrew signing
0: off but have a happy halloween don't eat too much candy uh and remember to eat around the razor blades This is Stefan (laughs) signing off. This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other.
2: You get to go on a date with one of
0: us for $10,000.
2: <laughs> but you pay for everything. <laughs>
0: you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. For
2: a i a- <laughs> I'll give you Joey for a weekend. For $30,000, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Link's in the description.